Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Milwaukee Bucks podcast joining you in the aftermath of oh what was not a pretty game for the Milwaukee Bucks a first round loss or a first first game first round playoff loss to the Orlando Magic uh, on Tuesday it was it was ugh, a, a surprising way for the Milwaukee Bucks to start the 2020 postseason Milwaukee not really competitive for most of the game wound up losing 122 to 110 my name is J.R. Radcliffe host of the Journal Sentinel Bucks podcast and on the other line we got to talk about it Matt Velasquez Bucks beat reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel the Bucks have uh, have not been great in the bubble to this point anyway but uh, I think everyone thought once the playoffs began, it would be time to get down to business. We saw the Bucks crush the Detroit Pistons at the same stage of the postseason last year. It's not going to happen this time around as the Bucks go down one game to none in this best of seven series. Matt, I, I don't really know where to begin, so I think I'll just frame it this way. Was it really as bad as it seemed? Is there any silver lining, any takeaway here? Because honestly, I don't know if I've seen the Bucks play this poorly and I, I'm just kind of grasping at straws. So is it is it as bad as it seems? Are we all panicking for no reason at all? What, what What is your takeaway here? Well, as I've long said, people can choose to feel how they want to feel. They can panic when they want to panic. Uh, I'm not going to be the arbiter of people's emotions, um, but it was really bad. <laughs> I, so I bad. Gonna, I am going to say that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, the eight seeding games, like whatever happened there, I, I just refused to put stock into it at Same. least before now. Cause it's like, okay, like they they went three and five in the seeding games and their starting lineup played 16 minutes together and they were playing like super deep rotations and Frank Mason was getting all kinds of minutes and DJ Wilson and all that stuff. And they had nothing to play for. So like if they even played their guys, like and they didn't play well. It's like okay, well, whatever. Like they have no motivation. But now, like the playoffs are here. They had three days of practices where they like repeatedly said, like, yes, we weren't who we wanted to be in the seeding games, and we need to get back to it, and we're gonna get back to it, and we're gonna be better, and we've we've been really focused and locked in, and and the intensity is ratcheted up, and we're not taking the the magic, you know, lightly, and you know we're gonna you know be better, and they weren't, and they weren't even close. Like they weren't even close to being like not just better, but like where they are supposed to be. I mean, this is a game where on paper it shouldn't have been close at all. I mean, the, the magic had four guys missing four guys who, if they were healthy would have played like rotational minutes. Like, you know, this isn't a team that, you know, no disrespect to the magic, but this isn't a team that's filled with world beaters, right? Like this is a team of, of guys who, you know, had a, I think 33 and 40 record during the regular season who are, had the worst record of any team left in the bubble. Uh, a team that the Bucks swept uh, four times. They, they beat four times in the regular season. And granted, that seems like it was forever ago now because it was. Um, but it wasn't so long ago that it shouldn't be true that the Bucks still have the better team. Uh, and, and so for the Bucks to come out and, and play the way they did, the way they did on Tuesday, um, I can understand why people would be frustrated and panicking uh, about that result. That was a really you know, really bad game uh, by the Bucks, where they only really showed urgency like at two points in the game, like like really and truly. Um, it was at the start of the game when they got out to like an 8-2 start and seemed like they were kind of in a rhythm and, and doing what they wanted to do. And then at the start of the third quarter when they came out and turned a 10-point deficit into a one-point deficit, they could have even tied the game had Chris Middleton made the third of three free throws. Uh, and that was all in like three and a half minutes. And like they had those stretches where things were going really well, and then things would just disintegrate. And, and none of it was stuff that, like, 
was surprising in and of itself. Like, you know, Steve Clifford back forever ago, uh, when the Bucks played in Orlando, I remembered him saying, like, hey, like, we got to shoot the three ball well because they're going to give us some open threes and we need to defend really well. I'm like, that's it. Like, that's the trick. <laughs> like, that's how you beat the Bucks. Like, you, you shoot threes well and you defend really well. And the Magic didn't shoot threes, like, exceedingly well. I think they were they were really good. I think they ended up being like 39%, 16 to 42, uh, or something like that. But it wasn't like they were like, you know, shooting the lights out. Uh, it's you know, it's not like that was the biggest issue. It's that their defense was really good, and they were sinking in the paint, and they were cutting off passing lanes and forcing turnovers, and, and the Bucks just couldn't find a way to get any type of offensive flow going. Uh, and, and they didn't really. I don't think they even tried enough things. Uh, to make that happen. So, uh, and I'm not too surprised that Bud played like 11 guys in the first first quarter, or, you know, in the first half, whatever it was, because um, that's what he does. Like, that's what he did last year in the playoffs. This isn't new. This isn't surprising to me. It's just how many guys didn't play well. Uh, I, I thought Giannis played well. I thought Eric Bledsoe played pretty well. Uh, I thought that in the second half in particular, George Hill played pretty well. And that's the list. Uh, I, I think Wesley Matthews was good in a small number of minutes or a relatively small number of minutes, um, but not great. Uh, not all that you know notable. Um, yeah, you know, I thought there were a few other guys like you know Kyle Korver had a couple you know good shots and, and things like that, but it wasn't anything that, that stood out other than I thought Giannis and uh, and Bledsoe and a little bit of George Hill in the second half. But it it was all the stuff that we normally talk about. This, this was this was the Bucks, you know. Being the new Bucks, not not the Bucks who we, we've seen in the past, it's, it's Bubble Bucks, uh, being Bubble Bucks, and the problem is that hasn't been very good. I think that's the primary concern here is that this is there's now a track record, and and I think you know what you said, I agree with as far as those those seeding games, just you just can't evaluate them the same as other games. They just aren't meaningful. They're not, and that that plays into the intensity, that plays into the way rotations are developed, everything. So. Uh, and that's not the Bucks' fault. They came to the bubble not needing to play hard in those games. Of course, they're going to not play exactly like they would p- play a playoff game. They need to get healthy. They, you know, they want to they want to be healthy at this stage, and they are. So uh, I, I I don't think you can really say this is truly a trend. But now, after seeing this first game, you start to look back on that track record of these eight games, and you think to yourself, maybe. Maybe they really just don't have whatever they had before. Maybe they're they're just they're just in a scratch and claw mode now for some reason. Even going back to the last few games before the COVID stoppage, I mean, they're, again, more mitigating circumstances. Giannis didn't play in those games. In one game, nobody played, uh, but uh, but they did go in with a three game losing streak. And you're trying to find the last time the Bucks were really the Bucks. I, I you also mentioned you mentioned the word urgency, and and I know that some of the guys after the game were pushing back against the idea that the Magic played harder because the implication there is it's an effort issue. But I'm curious what you think about that, because like you said, there were two points in the game and two points only where the Bucks looked truly engaged. I mean, that's I, I don't want to make that sound disparaging, but that's what it seemed like. The defense just gave up so many open looks. And, and even Giannis and Bledsoe, who, who were, like you said, two of the bright spots, they're taking pull-up threes early in the shot clock where it seemed like there was just, I don't know what, the, what you'd call that, just puzzling, seeming like they're surrendering on possessions. What do you make of that? Do you feel like there was something simply intensity-wise that the Bucks just didn't apply here, or were they out-schemed? I, I mean, I think it, I mean, it was a little bit of both, but it was definitely, you know, some of the first part. Like, if you watch the game, and I, I, you watch the game, I watch the game, a lot of people watch the game, no one's going to say that the Bucks played harder 
than the Magic did. No one's going to say that they were tougher, that they were more cohesive. Like no one, they just weren't. Like they weren't the better team, and it, it wasn't. It wasn't close. I don't think. Um, and, and it's interesting because you know you you mentioned people talking about you know that they were playing hard or whatever. Or Giannis saying that. You know, the first question that Giannis answered was basically, you know, the, the, the gist of it was what needs to be changed. Like, you know, what, what, what needs to be different? And his response was just got to play harder. It's got to make them feel uncomfortable. We're doing it at times. I do it for longer stretches, um, you know, and saying that, that they need to be more aggressive, get in passing lanes, use their hands, a little bit more physical, get them off the rhythm. So I followed up to that saying, hey, like, we're talking about, like, playing hard or playing harder, like, in the playoffs, like how frustrating is that, or, or how hurtful is that that like you guys aren't doing that? And he—that's when Giannis pushed back. He's like, "Oh, they weren't playing harder than us. They—they they played better, but we played hard, uh, you know, and, and stuff like that." But you know, but then he continued to say, like, you know, we got to play harder. So even if they play better, we can still win. And it's like, I mean, my takeaway from all of that is like we're kind of like, you know, grasping at the straws a little bit, like. If you, if you need to play harder, you didn't play hard enough. Like you, you like you you didn't play to the level that the playoffs require. Like you didn't play hard, like relative to what you need. Um, and and I think that there were definitely some moments of frustration we saw. You know, when the game was coming back from a commercial break, that you know, Brooke Lopez had like stomped and kicked a chair uh, during the timeout at one point, and when they were down like eighteen, or they must have been down thirteen at that point because they had been down eighteen. Giannis came in and, and spurred a, a, a five point run. Um, but it's just the the whole team was was off, and like there was like they care, like they they want to be better, um, you know. But yeah, as I mentioned, like Steve Clifford, like he's a good coach, like he knows exactly what the Bucks are gonna do. I mean, no, everyone knows what the Bucks are gonna do, right? Like, it, it's not like rocket science. Uh, what the rocket, what the Bucks are doing, they're 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 playing their coverages, they're running their kind of like motion random offense and all that stuff. Like they're doing the things they want to do. It's just that, you know, when you've had this long to prepare for a team, and if you're the Magic, Magic, I'm sure like the Bucks, the Bucks were preparing for the Nets and the Magic during the hiatus. So I'm sure the Magic were preparing for the Bucks to some extent during the hiatus. And, you know, I'm sure they're saying, okay, like here's exactly what we need to do, and here's how we need to do it. And if we can execute that game plan, we can win. Um, and, and you know, the Bucks, I'm sure went into a, the game with the game plan too, about what to do with the the magic and things like that. But it didn't look like. I mean, I think we can very argue, very clearly argue that they didn't. They didn't follow up on it. They didn't do it. They didn't execute it the way that they needed to. Um, and and I think that's probably the part for a lot of people that's really frustrating is that, you know, you know what the magic going to do. You know they're going to go to Nikola Vucevic. He is an all star. You know, or he was an all star last year. However, you know, once you're an all star, you're an all star. But he's an all star caliber player for a reason. He's the best player they have. Of course they're going to feed him. Of course they're going to play through him. And the Bucks never had a way of figuring out like how to slow him down. I mean, 15 of 24, like he was dominant. And you know, the the Magic's defense, like, I mean, the Bucks know basically all the time what teams are going to do. They're going to sink. They're going to clog the paint. They're going to make it really hard for Giannis to get to the hoop. They're going to load to him. But they couldn't do anything about it. Like they, they did, didn't move the ball well enough. They're taking shots early in the in the shot clock at times, not not you know zipping it around, not finding the open man. Um, sometimes trying to force things like that. That's the kind of head scratching stuff where you're like, okay, why are they not, you know, either sticking to the plan or or working a little bit harder to try and get a better shot instead of settling uh, at times. It's it just is it, it seemed like. They were, you know, just kind of trying to 
to go out there and and will themselves like by talent to to win, but they actually need to be able to, you know, not just kind of kind of go one on one and out talent the Magic. They need to actually you know play the game and adjust, and, and we'll see what they're able to do for game two because obviously game one what they were doing wasn't working. Let's go back and talk about Nikola Vucevic a little bit. Some of this will tie into kind of what it is from an X's and O standpoint that the Bucks philosophically do on defense. But you mentioned it, all the Magic, the Magic were depleted as could be. They didn't have Aaron Gordon, uh, they didn't have MCW, they didn't have Mo Bamba, uh, Jonathan Isaac isn't here, Alfaruk Armino has not been in the bubble at all. Evan Fournier didn't score until the final, like, five minutes. I mean, they were an absolute one-man show. Nikola Vucevic was it. And time and time again, he had open looks when he clearly had the hot hand to, had the hot hand on Tuesday. Why, again, this is maybe philosophically speaking, but why, why is there no adjustment there? Why was there not greater attention paid to Nikola Vucevic? And maybe there was, but that is a criticism you have heard of Mike Budenholzer before, that he doesn't stray at all from his philosophy, especially on defense. You know, it's implemented and that's just what they do. And certainly the Bucks are going to give up three-pointers. We've seen it time and time again. It is it is part of the fabric of how they defend. They keep the paint protected. But clearly, Nikola Vucevic was a problem and he remained a problem throughout the course of the game. So why why would the Bucks not be capable of dealing with him in the second half? Why would they not see some sort of adjustment? Well, there, there was a little bit of an adjustment where, you know, I mean, Giannis was talking about it after the game and like, yes, like, Vucevic had a great game. Like he did make, you know, he made open shots. He made tough shots. He made a lot of different things inside, outside. He played great. So like there is that. Uh, but at the same time, like Giannis mentioned, like they don't want to switch. Like they want to to keep, you know, their their matchups. They want to keep their scheme. Um, and, and they don't want a smaller guy in a pick and roll to have to deal with Vooch in the post. Uh, and so in the third quarter, they started switching him and having the, you know, whoever their guard is or whoever it was, having to switch on him in the post, you know, hoping they can slow him down. I know there were times that Pat Connaughton was on him. I, I know Bud has done that in the past where Pat, you know, is a guard, um, but he is very strong. Um, and, and so he can kind of handle himself a little bit more in the post. He did play a post position when he was in college. So he has some of the, that experience and the, the footwork and all that type of stuff uh, to be able to do things like that on defense. Uh, but it didn't work. <laughs> like when, when they were, you know, when they had Brooke Lopez on him, when they had, you know, uh, a guard on when they had Mark Williams. It, it didn't really matter. Like Vucevic w- was getting what he wanted. And when he wasn't like he, you know, he was, you know, flanked by guys who, yes, Fournier wasn't doing very well. Uh, but Gary Clark, like he knew exactly what his job was, which was to stand out behind, behind the three point line and just jack shots when he was open. And he put up 12 threes. He, he made four of them. It's not, you know, an incredible percentage for 12, but you know, that that's his job. Like, just don't be in the way, basically. Don't 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 go into the hoop. Don't get in Vooch's way. Don't get in the guard's way. Just stand out there and if the Bucks don't respect you, shoot. And you know, that worked out pretty well. I mean, James Ennis shot well. Um, you know, Markel Fultz got off to a great start, four for four. He's making some, you know, some some drives of the hoop, some some mid range jump shots where, you know, the Bucks are gonna let guys shoot mid-range jump shots if if they are kind of off the dribble and then they stop and pop for a for a jumper you know those are shots that the bucks are are not necessarily gonna have a problem with like they'd rather you st- you pull up from 16 17 18 feet um then get right to the hoop or take a three uh, though with markel fultz maybe you want him to shoot more threes he was one of four he's not a great three-point shooter um but you know they're gonna live with that like terrence ross didn't shoot the ball very well from three i mean he's over three on threes but um 
he was finding ways to get open in the mid range in the paint uh, and, and get buckets. So like, these guys, like they, they they found ways through the Bucks defense, uh, where at times guys were either slow to rotate, slow to help, or didn't at all. Um, and, and it feels like you know the the Bucks defense, which was so good during the the pre pre COVID uh, hiatus um, or whatever you want to call it, uh, they they just haven't gotten that that timing, that communication, whatever it is, they haven't gotten it back, um, at least not consistently. And so you you would expect things to be better, especially in the minutes where Brooke Lopez and Yas Didacumbo and, and Eric Bledsoe on the court. Those guys are all really good individual defenders, and as part of a team scheme, are really good. Um, but we just didn't see it uh, from from the game on Tuesday. And so, uh, again, like all this is going to come down to how they respond. Because last year we saw them in the second round against the Celtics you know, kind of lay an egg in, in game one. And that was at Pfizer for him. That wasn't at a neutral core. That was at Pfizer for him. Uh, and it seemed like the sky was falling then. And suddenly, you know, the Bucks were able to pick up the pieces and, and wipe the floor of the Celtics over four straight games to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Could they do that again uh, with the Magic? Like, sure, that's totally reasonable. That That's within the realm of possibility. Um, but I, I think that this time around with the struggles that they've had, uh, in the bubble and before the bubble, um, I think there's a lot more of a, a prove it mentality uh, among you know fans and and on onlookers and all that, which you know I think rightfully so. Yeah, that game one against the Celtics, of course, prompting Paul Pierce to famously say, "I think it's over" in favor of the Celtics. That uh, <laughs> uh, you'll have you had plenty of fans panicking on the Milwaukee side after that game one loss, and then uh, of course uh, letting Paul Pierce hear about it later in the series when the Bucks were able to bounce back. This I don't think presents maybe the same amount of consternation for the series itself. I think there's still probably a pretty healthy amount of the fan base that recognizes the Bucks are the better team here. They're probably still going to win this series, but they've lost nine of thirteen, uh, which is something considering that prior to that they've been fifty-two and eight. Again, many of those games have various caveats you have to throw in there, and, and that's fine. But you know that is a, a stark turnaround. You know when it, when you look at it on paper. Last time we I asked you where your concern meter was for this team. You said it was at a two. That was before the loss to Memphis to close out the seeding games. Uh, that game really did not uh, have much meaning to the Bucks at all. I, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm sure it's higher. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's not two anymore. But I, I guess as we look at the big picture, knowing th- this team probably will still beat the Magic, but. For the first time, we have to consider the possibility that it's either going to be really tough, or maybe they don't. Maybe there is a historic upset in the in the making here, uh, or or you look beyond that to the next round, the Eastern Conference semifinals, knowing that they'll face a, a Pacers or Heat team, and the team that's been playing, the Milwaukee Bucks team that's been playing these last few games, probably isn't going to win a series if they if they don't find you know another gear. So where is your concern meter now, having seen them lose Game One to the Magic? Uh, I'd, I'd probably kick it up to a four. Okay, so that's not halfway. That's okay. Going from two to four, I mean, I think that that everything rests on game two. Um, I'm really interested to see, you know, if this is the final, like, slap in the face that the Bucks needed to really wake up. You know, because they've been sleepwalking. Like, I I know they won't say that. They won't agree with that. Um, They would say they've they've been preparing. They've been taking this seriously. They've been working really hard and, and all of those things. But you have to prove it, right? Like you have to show it in the games and we haven't seen it. Like these are not the bucks we spent, you know, 65 games watching. It's just not, it's just not the same team right now. Like, could they become or return to the team that they were? I I think that that could totally happen. 
Um, but I'm going to have to see it. I have to, have to see it for like a game. Uh, when, when you look at, you know, the, the games they played in the restart, like it's, it's not like they were just blowing teams out um, or having a ton of success, right? It was, it was a lot of games that were closer than, than we're used to. Um, games where even when, when all their guys played uh, were tough. And, you know, we're, we haven't seen the Bucks be the Bucks. I don't think it's been since like er, the start of March. And even then, I think that was like an eight-point win against the you know, the Charlotte Hornets. So it, it's been a long time since the Bucks have, have really been the Bucks. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that everyone who is, is doubting them, at least momentarily, or at least saying, hey, I want to see it before I really get back on the bandwagon, uh, I, I think that's totally, you know, totally fine and warranted because this, this team just hasn't um, at least earned or deserved the benefit of the doubt with the way that things have been going recently. Not saying that they can't get back there, just that right now, you know, you want to see them actually make some headway before you say, okay, like I would have some confidence in them going forward. Cause right now, I mean, if, if you put this team against the heat in the second round, um, I, I feel like a lot of people wouldn't be picking the bucks. And yes, that could be, you know, just because, you know, that could, that could be short sighted and there's a lot of historical precedent and you could say, Hey, like, you know what the bucks were, what the, heat, but who, who either of these teams were or any of these teams that are still remaining were, you know, it doesn't matter. It's who they are now, and and who the Bucks are right now is a team that, you know, still is is struggling to to regain what they had. You mentioned that Giannis was still good. Of course, he was, and uh, Eric Bledsoe had an okay game. Chris Middleton struggled shooting the ball. You figure he'll probably rebound to some degree. Uh, Brooke Lopez was so good in the seeding games. We did not see that in game one. His frustration shining through, like you mentioned, also just you know wasn't able to uh, wasn't able to put it together on the floor. And the bench guys just there were times where Coach Bud, as he sometimes will do, put an entire a bench unit on the floor and occasionally that team has looked fine even 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 on Tuesday there was a moment where they looked pretty good but the there there've been a lot of guys that have just struggled like from from really the word go once they got into the once they got into the bubble uh, Dante DiVincenzo's on that list you know George Hill's been up and down Wes Matthews is a little banged up so that's that's probably something that's going to be a little bit of concern uh do you anticipate any changes to this rotation? Do you think that some guys are going to start losing some playing time the way that things have shaped up to this point? Not yet. I think, I think Bud likes, likes to keep guys active and in the rotation and things like that. Um, if anything, I mean, we'll see if, if first on so was available uh, with his elbow uh, issue that, that he has, if that, displaces anyone uh but like robin lopez only played two minutes like he he's somebody who maybe in in a future game they just say you know what forget it we're not even going to bring robin in um because maybe they they figure they don't need him with the the magic you know being banged up inside maybe not going as big um yeah i'm just interested to see if if dante divincenzo is able to kind of get out of the funk he's been in i mean he he has has not shot the ball really well from outside he does not always seem in control on his drives. Turnovers have been an issue. Um, and you mentioned like all those guys. I think Eric Budzo had been one of those guys who hadn't been playing very well, and I think today he did play fairly well. Uh, I'm not going to say he played great, but I'm going to say that you know, relative to the rest of the team, it was Giannis and, and him uh, who stood out for, for being you know passable and, and or to good. Um, and, and so... 
You know, I, I don't think that it'll be shortened up very much. I, I think that Dante will still get chances. George Hill's definitely going to play. I think Pat Connaughton uh, would still play. Kyle Korver, I mean, they're going to need his his shooting uh, that he can bring uh, off the bench. Like, like Bud's still going to play guys. Um, and I, I don't think one game is going to make him waver and, and be like, oh, no, now I have to play guys a ton more. Um, that That's not something that he's shown in the past. Uh, so I don't think that would change now. But I think that we may see changes and differences. I don't think they went to Brooke Lopez in the post like nearly as much as we've seen. Um, and, and when they did, it didn't, it didn't necessarily work, but it wasn't like they were going to him over and over again. Like the Magic don't have like a ton of size and, and, and bulk and, and, and strength inside. And if, if they can kind of spread the court a little bit and, and give Brooke a chance to go to work in the post, that, that could pay dividends. Uh, I'd be interested to see if they get the, the ball in Chris Middleton's hands a little bit more to kind of give him more of an opportunity uh, to get some of the shots that, that he likes, some of the comfort food that, you know, that Bud likes to call it, where he can get some some good looks up. Um, I, I just feel like the offense was still very disjointed and um, kind of didn't really find all the options available to them, you know, given what the Magic were doing. Like, they kind of said, oh, the Magic are going to, you know, muck up the paint, make things really hard for us. Oh, no. And like, we just didn't see enough of, like, the, the, the counters that we've seen or heard discussed uh, in the past. And so I, I want to see how they can use those counters and how they can adjust. Because this is a team that was really good in the half court. Yes, they were really great in transition. But, like, when they got in the half court, they were a pretty efficient team in the regular season. They were a really good offense overall. Um, and so, you know, how can they, you know, adjust and, and make changes to not just personnel, but to how they are utilizing those personnel and you know, attacking a defense that is sinking hard and, and trying to cut off the lane. Yeah, a little tip of the cap to the Magic defense. They're, they're a good defensive team. They are not bad. And uh, even though they don't have a rim protector, Giannis was kept from the rim for the most part. They really did muck up the paint. He did, Giannis didn't get a lot of shot attempts early. You could probably pin that on the Bucks, but uh, the Magic were able to to you know do what they do what they do to limit him. And then, like you said, offensively things just were not in sync, and that that sort of offense defense sort of all works together as everyone knows, and uh, that was never able to get into a rhythm on either end of the floor. Before I let you go, I gotta ask you: Are you prepared for 36 hours of hot takes about where Giannis will play after next season when he's done with the Milwaukee Bucks, when he is d- thrown up his hands in disappointment because the Bucks didn't win a championship and has moved on? Are you ready for this? I like Giannis. Uh, probably won't pay any attention. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's uh, that's true. Uh, it, it's just I don't know. I, I I mentioned last year's Celtics series and the sky is falling and all that stuff after Game One, and then things obviously took a turn. I know a lot of people have been. I, I feel like this tweet was like ubiquitous of like, oh hey, remember like last year's eventual champions lost to Orlando in the first round, so the Bucks are on track to win a championship. It's like, okay, like fine. Like last year's champions didn't get worked by the magic in the first round or in the first game of the first round. And they were playing very well going into the playoffs. That was absolutely (laughs) a blip on the radar for what the, what the Raptors were doing last year. 
yeah, that was that was like a really great. I remember watching that in like a pizza place. I was like with uh, with my wife's family, and we were doing some stuff, and then we went to some random pizza place, and I was watching the game, and I was like, oh wow, like this is fun. This is a good game. Today's game, I would not say was fun or a good game, whether I covered the Bucks or anyone else. Like this wasn't close. It was it was the one seed getting trampled by the eight seed in a game where you would have, if you like were an alien watching this from a different like you know planet, you'd be like, oh like is the the one the one seed one right <laughs> like because that's that's what it looked like so you know yes like there are going to be hot takes there are going to be all these diagnoses of the bucks and and plans for for their eventual collapse and what will happen and where Giannis will go and all these things um but there are a lot of games still to go uh, i don't think anyone necessarily believes that the bucks are going to lose this series uh, if they do, then all of the talk of the coming the the coming apocalypse and uh, relative to the Bucks, the Bucks apocalypse, Buck apocalypse, whatever you want to call it, then that's warranted. If they lose the series, we can we can talk about all kinds of crazy stuff uh, if the Bucks lose in the first round. Um, but until that day happens, and until we we get to that point, I'm gonna I'm gonna generally pump the brakes and say, all right, let's let's see what happens in the next game because that can change the narrative entirely, um, depending on what happens. Would that be the Apocalyptetekumpo? Can we go with that? We have to work on the pronunciation. Yeah, we're going to have to workshop that to death, I'm afraid. Bucks play on Thursday. That's a little bit later on. Most of these games are in the uh, the, the noon hour, but this uh, this one on Thursday will be at 5 o'clock p.m. local time. Magic Bucks game two. Huge moment in the Bucks season. Didn't think we'd get to that uh, so quickly in the postseason, but here we are. And uh, that'll be a, that'll be a big one. A lot of uh, I know a lot of Bucks fans will be watching intensely with interest in that one. Matt, we will chat again very soon. Thanks for joining me. All right, can't wait till we talk again. You will find everything he has to say at jsonline.com. Also, find him on Twitter. Let him know what you think of the podcast. Matt underscore Velasquez, or find me. My name is Jr. Radcliffe at Jr. Radcliffe on Twitter. Plenty of my stuff at jsonline.com as well. Thanks for checking us out. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Leave a comment. Leave a rating and review. All that stuff. And uh, we will chat with you again next week. Ta-ta. <laughs>